0: Julie Bauke is the Chief Career Happiness Officer of the Bauke Group, and her business focuses on educating and inspiring people to build the career of their dreams. She's the career and jobs expert on Cincinnati's Fox 19 and the host of Get Career Happy with Julie Bauke. She's the author of Stop Peeing on Your Shoes, Avoiding the Seven Mistakes That Screw Up Your Job Search, and she's joining me today on Amy's Table to talk about doing the work that matters. Hey, Julie, welcome.
1: Thanks, Amy. Great to be with you again.
0: So let's talk about this doing the work that matters because I think it's kind of sobering to realize that many people might not say they're doing the work that matters.
1: Oh no, I, I think it's. Uh, I think I think uh, the vast majority of people would say that, um, and that's that's what's truly sad. Um, the, the 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 problem is that what matters to me may not matter to you, and so even the definition of work that matters varies from person to person. And you, if you can't answer the question, what matters to you, then you're probably not going to be able to find work that matters to you.
0: And so it starts with a little introspection. Is there some sort of a um, a guideline to that introspection that you suggest?
1: Um, you know, it's and in, in, in you're right, it starts with introspection. I think most of career and work, and, and in fact, probably most of parts of our lives start with some good introspection. Now, do you... You may... You know, do you feel excited, interested, engaged, alive in the work you're doing? Um, and there might be, you know, you might have a friend who does a job that he or she's super excited about, and all of those words I just used apply to how they feel. But when you hear about what they do, you're like, "Ooh, I'd never want to do that. And so you have to really think about maybe have you had jobs or even experiences even in the community or in your volunteer work or in any part of your life or that work that you were doing, even if you weren't getting paid for it, made you feel inspired, engaged, alive, and really isolate that and figure out what was it that you were doing that made you feel that way. And that's that's a really good first step is to find a time, even if it was a brief period of time, which you did feel like that. How can you go back and isolate that and figure out, What was it that made me feel so great when I was in the middle of that?
0: You know, it's funny, Julie. A lot of people, when they think of me, they think of food. And, uh, you know, I, I do have a passion for food. But it was a few years ago that I realized, for people who are saying, you know, I'm passionate about airplanes. This is why I'm giving this example. You may not be able to be a pilot. But it may be something about flying a plane that excites you. With me, people pigeonhole me with food. I love food. Food is a big part of my career, but I realized what got me excited was coming up with better ways to do things, teaching people how to do things, brainstorming and having ideas. I have it about food, but I might also have it when I manage my staff or put together um, an idea for an event. So can it sometimes be a very broad thing that is work that matters?
1: Yeah, that's that's actually great insight that you had there because what what was going on was you were having those experiences that get you excited with food, but then you kind of you 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 took it up a level and were able to look over it and say okay, so what is it about food? And then how you described what you really love to do, it's bigger than food, and that that's what you articulated can be taken to all kinds of different places. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. You have to figure out um, what is it? What are the behaviors, the actions, what skills are you using, and how do you take it more broadly and take that, that, that whole picture of who you are to different places. And so, yeah,
0: well done. Well, you know, it's funny you say that uh, one of the ways to do the work that matters is to think of your life like a plate and load it up. And it's funny because I use that same sort of analogy, only I say it's, it's some of the opportunities that have come to me is almost like people coming to the door with a wheelbarrow full of all my favorite things and they go have what you want. And I kind of gorged. I might have been, you know, overindulged in some opportunities and it got me a little bit fragmented for a while. So how do you take um, the whole idea of life brings you opportunities. You're you're trying to fill up your plate with the work that matters, but without overdoing it. How do you narrow down if someone's got that problem?
1: Well, you know it's interesting. There are when we look at the things that we like to do. Sometimes we say, well, because I like to do this, I'm going to make a career of it. And then we find out when we've made a career of it, it's too much. You know, we've overindulged on that thing, and so it really is a little bit of trial and error. So think about like a smorgasbord. You're gonna take, keeping with that plate analogy, you're gonna take your plate through the smorgasbord or the buffet, and you're going to maybe try a little bit of something before you go back and put more on your plate. And so you figure out with each thing that you're potentially interested in that you think is piquing your interest in some way, how can I get a bite of it? How can I find out what it's really like to cook for a living? Or to you know, be in um, maybe a, a caregiving or a support role, maybe people tell you what a great caregiver you are, but you find that doing it forty plus hours a week exhausts you. So how can you step from thinking that I might like this work to trying it out? Right. To stepping into it, and you, you have to. It's almost like you have to have your internal barometer that says, "Ooh, you know, I've found that." I can do this maybe two days a week, but when it gets over two days a week, it's too much. Right. Okay. So then how do I balance that plate out? So it's like too much dessert. How do I balance that plate out with some other things that are going to give me the plate I want? And it really is trial and error. There's no magic answer. And I think we all hope that we're going to stick that under our pillow, and the career fairy is going to come overnight, and the answer is going to be there. But <laughs> wait, there's no I career fairy, Julie. Oh, man. Darn it! If I could become that and just have my magic wand, I would definitely wear a pink tutu. You know that would be big fun, but I haven't figured that one out yet. Well, you know, you
0: you bring up such a good point, though. We are responsible, and it is up to you to to try and to be intentional. I love that you use that word. Look for what you want intentionally. But one thing I notice is. Somebody once said, what do people turn to you for? And that's kind of probably where you belong.
1: Exactly. And what do they not turn to you for? Right. You know, um, so what are people coming to you and saying, you know, you're really good at this. And it might even be listening or problem solving or creative thinking or, um, you know, just crazy wild ideas or help with uh, looking at data and figuring out what it says. Um, or help selecting color. I mean, there's a million things. People will tell you what you're good at if you pay attention. But what we do a lot of times is people come to us and they're, oh, you're good at this. You're like, oh, no, I'm not. You know, what's our first thing? Oh, instead of saying, you know, thanks, how can I help? Oh, and that's no big deal. Oh, you're so great at that. Uh, it's no, big deal. No, people are telling you what you're good at by what they come to you for. Right. And, and the silence is deafening on um, you know, what they're not coming to you for. And it's probably pretty close to how you see yourself pretty close, but there's that you know last 20 percent 20, of self-awareness uh, that, it, and, and maybe we even know that we poo it because we're not really good at saying what we're good at. We're better at saying what we aren't good at. And, and that's because we try, oh, I don't want to brag, I don't want to brag. You I've got to be humble here. No, I mean there, there's a lot of space between accepting what our strengths are and bragging. Right, uh, you, you have to walk around telling everybody how you ought here's the 10 things I'm awesome at. Please sit down and listen. (laughs) But it's really about just having the confidence to say, you know, that is something that I enjoy and that, you know, I've gotten good at over the years. if If anybody sees that as bragging, get rid of that friend.
0: Right, exactly. Well, Julie... I can say personally that every time I've had any kind of a, a discussion with you about what's going on in my career or some of the, the things, challenges that I face, your insights are so spot on and so good. You really can peel away the layers and listen to what people are really saying. So I I, I like that about you, Julie Bauke. That's what people come to me for. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's what they turn to you for. But that's what I'm saying. You're you're really, you know, the living breathing breathing proof that you're your concept and your ideas work, and I appreciate it. So again, you got to check out thebaukegroup.com. I'll put a link at amy-tobin.com as well, but there you can find out more about Julie Bauke and doing work that matters. Julie, thank you so much. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q! It's Amy's Table with Amy Tobin, yeah! Q102!